OTB. Probably days we were questioning maybe whether this would ever happen first. So now I know, as I said, it's special and it'll be all undone. Is the only thing if you don't get over the line next week. So um, everything knows is riding on that one. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You've picked the worst, uh, most underperforming. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't really want to do this, but Cullum said there was nothing to talk about, so I uh, threw this <laughs> together and I threw it together very quickly. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it, Colum it has just said he's very early in the season. Colum has just said he's some coward, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was hard to put together the underperforming because do you put in players who haven't played a huge amount so far, who were signed for big money, who've been injured? Uh, I've sort of gone for players who have shown a huge amount over the last couple of years and haven't got anywhere near that level. And where the cowardice came in was, I I was tempted to include more Manchester City players because I think a lot of them haven't been anywhere near their level, but it probably feels a bit too early in the season to write them off. And they also, the majority of them produced maybe the greatest attacking performance the Premier League has ever seen in the last Manchester derby. Uh, So here's what I've gone with for now. Uh, Hugo Lloris, he just cannot, cannot maintain a consistency uh, for Tottenham. A has obviously retired from international football uh, this week, but he is consistently mistake prone. And as there just seems to be a lack of leadership from his Tottenham captain as well, that you cannot trust him. And I think for a player who showed his real ability at the last two World Cups, we haven't seen that for Tottenham uh, this season. There haven't been too many other goalkeepers who have massively underperformed consistently. Like, Allison had a bad day the last day. David De Gea had a bad day the last day. Uh, and the goalkeepers below that generally have to face a lot more shots and generally do quite well. So Hugo Lloris, it's, it's not the most convincing argument, is it? No. Move on then. <laughs> uh, like the back four, probably interesting because I think three of these arguably would have been the team of the season for the last three or four years. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Joao Cancelo. I've thrown Eric Dyer in there as well because he started the season brilliantly but just seems to have fallen off a cliff. Uh Maybe uh, since probably the beginning of November, nothing has quite happened for him. Um, like Trent and Van Dyke are obvious ones. Trent has obviously improved over the last few games, but the amount of individual errors he's made, just his demeanor, much like Van Dyke, the sort of I'm too good for this attitude, uh, has not helped Liverpool at all. And like Liverpool's brilliance has been uh, built on a strong defence and the two of them in particular and their ability to add to the attack. Uh, you know, Trent has, has an assist this season in the Premier League, one so far for Trent compared to the record-breaking figure. So he's got nowhere near uh, the level. Uh, and Van Dijk has been well off. It. Sort of thought, was he holding himself for the World Cup? Obviously, he's going to miss the next little while, but the like a... A, a point at every Liverpool game so far this season is the look of amusement on Van Dijk's face as he looks around at everybody else and goes, what's going on? How has this guy just sprinted straight past me? Uh, so I think the two of them most definitely have underwhelmed this season. Cancelo's a strange one um, because he's been such a crucial part of what Manchester City have done over the last three or four seasons in that left-back, right-back slash playing in the middle of midfield as well role, uh, taken off at half-time, in their game last week against Chelsea when he was stuck out on the right-hand side. Uh, has been in and out of the team at times as well. Maybe there's a World Cup factor in that. <clears throat> but certainly his importance to Manchester City is nowhere near the level it's been uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, so I think from the high, high heights that he set as 
up there with Trent as the best fullback in the league. He hasn't really hit that. So that's my back four. That's four. That, that's fair. <clears throat> I mean, what's the crack with Van Dyke? He looks like he either can't or won't sprint anymore. It's like, like, is it is it an ego thing, Nathan? He's won it all. He doesn't have to do it anymore, or is it just, is there something else going on? I wonder. I think a large part of it is he has way more defending to do right now, and he's a front foot defender. There's still arguably nobody better when they're on the ball than Van Dyke. If all of the Liverpool machine is ticking perfectly, then Van Dyke has more time, has less defending to do, and is there a bit of protecting the injury was that an issue before the world cup having missed out uh on the previous tournament having had such a long period out that he's thinking you know i don't want to push this it's hard i know a lot of people around the game would say that players just don't think like that and it might be just a natural decline at his age <clears throat> sorry i can't can't even get the words out on Birch van dyke Okay, he's heartbroken. Uh, we, we can talk amongst ourselves here for a minute if you want. We're having some video difficulties. If um, if you want to let us know uh, what the issues are on your side, um, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream or you can uh, tweet us at Off the Ball AM. Like um, this is underwhelming because we expect high things and good standards of these. Otherwise, you know, the Harry Maguire's of the world would be in this. But that's what not. I was trying to think beforehand. Like, so because obviously Harry or those people of that ilk would be in it. Yeah, but then Harry, I think up until about three weeks ago, Luke Shaw might have. Squeaked in, but then Luke Shaw's turned, oh, turned things around. It's wonderful now. And you can't, you see, the likes of Harry Maguire can't get in because he hasn't been in the team. I suppose you need to be picking players who are in the team and playing crap, as yeah. opposed to not playing because they're crap. Yeah, or somebody who's um, fallen off a cliff to the point where they're no longer in the team would be fine too, except Harry Maguire was never, we, did, we never had expectations. Yeah. Do you know, he's they not going to do down. the team of the season so far, and basically it was too early. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. Harry Maguire played last night as well against Charlton. Um, there was one moment which kind of summed up uh, his year, uh, I would feel, where he, he took the ball forward, skipped past a couple of defenders, he's on the edge of the box, you're thinking he's going to shoot or he's going to dribble past, this is going to be a Maradona moment. Uh, gives the ball away, uh, tracks back, completely hacks the guy out of it and uh, get, t- picks up a yellow card. It was one of those three-second phases that kind of summed up Harry Maguire of late. But uh, yeah, I think Van Dijk is a, is a worthy inclusion in that team, Nathan. Fair play. Uh, midfield, a one-man midfield, uh, Fabinho. Um, I think maybe you could put a lot of what's gone wrong with Van Dyke and Trent Alexander-Arnold on Fabinho's shoulders. I keep going back to the game against Palace right at the start of the season when they scored this counter-attacking goal and Fabinho goes in for a challenge in the middle of midfield and he misses it. And Fabinho over the past five years never missed that challenge and he'd go and win the ball high up and he'd start Liverpool on another attack and he is a shadow of the player that he was over the past four or five years. Seems to have lost a little bit of pace. His timing and tackles isn't there either and that openness from him having a dip has exposed Liverpool massively. There's obviously been a decline in Henderson in his consistency and Thiago not being a Gini Vinealdum and not being a similar type of player uh, I has think all contributed there, to it. But is, there, is there not a strong case for Thiago here where like Thiago was the second messiah and has not proven to be? There is and I think if you look back at what's changed with Liverpool. Maybe the signing of Thiago or the transfer of a Thiago for a Vinaldum was the biggest change in that Thiago has maybe brought Liverpool to higher heights that at their best, Thiago enables them to play an even better style of football. When Liverpool are playing well, even within games, you'll see 20 minute spells when Liverpool are on top and Thiago will be their best player will be running the show. But when things aren't going well, when they're under pressure, it, it does feel as though they get completely overrun okay. and 
again, much like Fabinho missing tackles, a common side is him just not being able to keep pace with somebody. And the other problem is that Vinaldum was replaceable for games here and there. They don't have anybody else like Thiago. So if you're yeah. building your midfield now around a Thiago and he misses so many games, he's not there. It all falls apart instantly. The kids but there's been a there's been a general right. decline. The midfield probably has plenty of of um, different players who you think might be an opportunity, like. I mean, Nottingham Forest signed about 27 players, many of whom have not seen any game time. We're not really counting those because we didn't have that high expectation of them. Is that... Am I, yes, am I, that's the thing. Do you put Jesse Lingard in because of the price that he costs and the lack of impact so far? Or did you have a high expectation that Jesse Lingard was going to go to Nottingham Forest and transform them? I did not. I didn't. So I, I did base this on maybe Calvin Phillips, previous form. Obviously, is somebody yeah, who... But he hasn't got any game time. He was injured, remember, until... He basically had an operation to get himself fit for the World Cup and sacrificed the first half of the season and came back uh, in a state of disrepair. And let's give Calvin Phillips a little bit more time. Here's who I've gone for in the attacking positions. Adama Traore. 26 now, Adama Traore. And I keep thinking it's going to happen for him. Went off to Barcelona last season. Didn't particularly happen from there. Is back at Wolves, sort of in and out of the team. He gets the ball in those dangerous positions on the halfway line now and you're not in any ways convinced that he's going to just skip past the midfield and then skip past the fullbacks and have a little bit of end product there as well. I think he's really flattered to deceive. I don't know how he's going to fit into a Lopetegui team. Does he stay at the club? Does he end up leaving uh, in this January transfer window? But from a position two, two and a half years ago where it really felt like this guy was on the verge of getting to the very top level, it's gone very flat for Adama Traore so far. Is is, uh, is it or one of those players who actually, if he went to a super club, you know, Barcelona probably maybe disproves this, but if he did go to a good team, that actually he would do well. Whereas the responsibility of trying to be a key player in a team who's struggling is too much for him. Quite possibly. And the fact that Wolves don't score many goals, don't really have a striker ever since Raul Jimenez got the injury. It's been a massive struggle. They haven't been able to replace him. So when he does make those runs, is there anybody there to actually finish them off? Even going to Barcelona last season, was it the best time ever to go to Barcelona? No. Perhaps not. Um, And... He does look totally, he looks uh, totally shot confidence wise compared to where he was, where, you know, he was carrying himself like a player who could destroy any defense in the Premier League. He does look like a player who needs a move probably in this January transfer window just to revitalize his career. Okay. Who else? Uh, Jared Bowen. Jared mm. Bowen last season, we were talking about, you know, should be in the English squad. Is he going to, is he going to put a bit of pressure on for a place in the team? He was a key figure in a brilliant West Ham team that knew what they were about, that finished really high up the table, uh, scored a huge amount of goals last season. And this season, much like a lot of his West Ham teammates, has done next to nothing. You don't know what they're going to do. They obviously signed players who both of whom could have gotten this list as well in Skamaka and Paqueta. I left Paqueta off just because he hasn't played enough games. They spent a huge amount of money on him and everybody around West Ham who talks about their season getting back in track seems to put it on his shoulders that if we get this guy a run of starts at number 10, uh, he is going to be one of the all-time West Ham greats, but we just haven't seen him yet. But Bowen set such a high level last season that he was been linked with a top four team. The expectation was he would have to go at some stage. Arguably, Declan Rice could have been in there as well. 
another player who was outstanding last season, who maybe has one eye on a move, and who doesn't seem to be able to lift this West Ham side out of their slumber. You bottled uh, that, didn't you? You should have just stuck uh, yeah. that and rice in there. Come on. Out of pure bitterness. Even for the headline. Uh, Apologise, I apologise. But Jared Bowen, um, Jared Bowen, you were overawed because of what happened with Lee Keegan, it's yeah, fine. that's fair. Um, the Bowen one, Nathan, like, I know he's 26, but last season felt like a, a, a bit of a breakout Premier League season for him, he was so good. It, it, it reminds me of the, the crucible curse in snooker where the first time someone wins a World Snooker Championship, they never defend it, that is a curse. I always, almost find that when you have a breakout year in the Premier League, like Bowen did, there seems to be a bit of a curse, there's a bit more pressure, and Bowen just for whatever reason, hasn't lived up to that pressure. Well, there's a track record of it at West Ham, and maybe it is simply that teams, opposition teams look at them and go, well, if we stop him, we stop a lot of West Ham. So there was Sauchek, and then Soufal comes in, and both of those haven't been able to maintain the impact they had week in, week out, because teams, understandably now, when they're defending a set piece, look at Thomas Sauchek and go, well, he's the first guy we need to stop. And likewise, with West Ham, there's every possibility they're looking at them and saying, if you stop Jared Bowen, you stop a lot of the good stuff that comes through for that team. But he's going to have to find a way around that if he is to get back to a level where he's been talked about as a potential Jurgen Klopp signing. Who's up front for you? I'm not about, well, maybe are we going to three? Maybe we're going to three. Oh. Uh, Youngman's son. Like, Youngman's son won the Golden Boot last season. He scored in two games so far this year. Two games all season. He got a hat-trick against Leicester and he scored last weekend. And even watching Tottenham, as frustrating, I'm sure, for Spurs fans as they could be, last year when they were playing this counter-attacking football, all of their counter-attacks came through Young min Son. There was no greater sight than Young min Son picking the ball up 10 yards outside his own penalty area and putting the head down and not really having to lift it because he knew where Harry Kane would be every time and either skinning four players and trying to finish it off himself or setting Harry Kane up. And the understanding that those two had seems to have been lost this season with the signings that they've made and maybe a ch- uh, slight change in system uh, where you know even Perisic has come into the team, maybe Kulisevsky, Richarlison, all of those have meant that we don't even seem to see Heung-Min Son pick up the same positions no. and have the same role in the team. And that has to be a huge reason for Spurs' struggles over the last few weeks. That like He was, uh, rightly, a contender for player of the season last year with the amount of assists he got and obviously finishing his golden boots. So I think Tottenham fans at the start of this year would have expected a similar level from Youngman Son and that has not happened. Okay, who else? Uh, Wilfried Zaha. I love Wilfried Zaha. I just feel that I always felt again he was another one who was on the verge of of going big and he started the season very well. He got four goals in his first four games. Uh but it's fallen quite flat since then. And Damien Delaney was on giving his analysis of Crystal Palace and his decline over the past couple of months has uh, really fed into their inconsistency uh, since the first five, six weeks of the year. Maybe there is a sense of them that the time has now gone for Wilfried Zaha. He turned 30 a few, few months ago. I don't think uh, so. I actually he's think not that... going to get his move back to well, um, the Manchester United of this world. Well, I, I, I mean, if you're, if you're Zaha's agent, you're saying, write it out. Do not sign whatever they put in front of you. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught in a room alone with any man who has a pen and a piece of paper for you. Stay away from them. And at the end of the season, I guarantee you, some, some good club will be willing to uh, back up the Brinks truck 
to Zaha's gaff because I still think he's going to be effective for them. It just feels like he's playing at the string. In this is a contract year for him, right? Am I right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's out of contract in summer. Yeah, do not sign anything. Stay where you are. I did get a lot of um, a lot of I got um, some significant pushback when I was like, oh, any team from Palace down could still be in the relegation zone. Any any of those teams could still sink like a stone. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but they're not out of it. Yeah, the way they're playing at the moment is really bad. Also, uh, on Wilfred Zaha, the reason why I love him is he's very good on social media. There was a post uh, yesterday, the day before, I think, someone in Sky Sports, uh, one of those transfer rumour shows, was wearing like, a fairly dodgy shirt, something that, that I might be seen to be wearing. And uh, Zaha replied and was like, I think they were talking about Zaha's future and what he should do. And he was like, I don't know which is worse, the shite coming out of his mouth or the shirt. Wow. And, I mean, it was brilliant. He obviously got a lot of love. So what was your man saying? That Zaha what? Don't clip him on this. What's that, Nathan? Don't tag him on this. No, no, no. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, back yourself. Yeah, for sure. And a top four, well, Chelsea at least, will come calling. Um, instead of a crappy quiz this week, just get Shane to drop some crappy comparisons for an hour. I mean, it's, it's good quality radio, turns out. Don't be jealous. Who no. knew? No. That, that's his niche. Uh, Nathan, one last thing. Uh, you wanted to bring up Aidan McGeady? Yeah, I, picked, I, I only picked ten players there. But well, go on, go on. Who's it's an underwhelming team, so it should be maybe just ten players. Uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang nailed on, scored in his debut, has done absolutely nothing since. Uh, maybe expectations weren't that high, particularly once Thomas Tuchel left. But yeah, it's a bad position Chelsea have got themselves in if they can't get rid of him over the next few weeks. I'll raise you Aubameyang and give you Jamie Vardy. Uh, who last night missed an absolute sitter for, for Leicester against Newcastle. I think it's one Premier League goal he scored this season. I know he's 36 per Jamie, but he's crap at the minute, isn't he, Nathan? He had some stuff on his mind. Yeah, of course. He, again, he's a victim of a team around them that hasn't been invested in, that has had James Madison injured for large parts of the season. I'm surprised how well he does still at 36 when he comes on. Yeah, the yeah. goals have dried up a little bit, but I think it's reflective of uh, greater problems at Leicester. And obviously, he's maybe had some other things on his mind over the first few months of the season. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 